and welcome to The Solve Network. My name is Shane Borza, and I'll be your host. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. Now, this show is a little different than most podcasts, as it is actually a live call held twice a month. If you can, please join us on the first and third Thursday of each month so you can get your questions answered live and direct from the experts themselves. If you're an expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com so you can be a part of the network. And now, here's our show. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, a climber, creator, and coach. And I want you to build the skill of health and fitness. My new course is a priceless gift to you, and it's available exclusively on PonoQuest.com. That's P-O-N-O-Quest.com. Build the Skill is a minimalistic, functional, real-world fitness program which can help you to move better and get stronger faster. I can't wait for you to check it out. And when you do, please let me know how it helps you. That's Build the Skill at PonoQuest.com. Okay, so I see some questions are going to be coming in here in the chat. So I'm going to answer these as they come in. Okay, so I have someone asking, what's the difference between deciding to go indie versus pitching a big budget studio your idea? So great question. And, you know, it's really interesting. One of the things that's difficult, I lived in LA for over 10 years. And uh, it it is a small town. And a lot of times, uh, like I worked at uh, Deluxe Technicolor, which is one of the biggest post-production companies in the world. And I was able to interact, I mean, you know, briefly with some big name stars. Like I saw Sean Penn one time. I saw uh, Ben Affleck one time. I saw Oliver Stone one time. And, you know, people like that, people who are more uh, filmmakers, uh, generally actors and people like that aren't going to come into post-production because they don't have anything to do with editing the film or getting it ready to go out into the theater or anything like that. But it, it was really exciting to meet those people. But the other thing that I was able to do is meet people who work in post, like editors, sound designers, and things like that. And the thing that I heard from all of them is that they all have ideas for projects, whether it's a film or a TV show or some kind of a project that they want to help somebody else make and things like that. And they all said, you know, if you don't have any kind of representation, then no one's going to take a meeting with you or talk to you because you're not gonna be seen as, quote, professional. And especially in Hollywood, all of the studios, everyone is in a union. And if you're in a union, not only do you have a union rep, but you can very easily find some kind of representation, either an agent or a manager or something like that. So getting into, have a meeting at a studio like Netflix or Warner Brothers or Sony or Disney, you know, all of them are in Hollywood. Uh, you would need to first know somebody so you know, like, you can't just go to Sony and be like, can someone read my script? Like, you need to know who is going to read it. But also, you need to have that representation. And if you don't have an agent or a manager who can make the appointment for you, then you're probably not going to end up ever having that conversation, which means, by default, you end up having to find someone that you know who wants to make it, or you have to make it yourself, and therefore, it becomes an indie project. How do you decide what you should do yourself versus hiring someone to do it? So this is a really important thing to know. And 
I would say at first, it's, it's just kind of like, you know, anyone, if they have a side hustle or a home-based business or whatever, you know, at first you're doing everything yourself because you have to, you're just starting. You don't have the time or the money, the energy or the anything. Uh, but you also have this kind of beautiful ignorance where you're like, Oh, I can do that. You know, I I'll just figure it out. You know, it's, it's like husbands, you know, something breaks in the house and the husband's like, I can fix it. And then half the time it's like twice as bad. And then you have to hire someone to come in and fix the fix. Uh, I actually remember I saw a, um, a handyman once uh, they had one of those vans with the sign on the side and it said, uh, I fix what your husband tried to. And I thought that was great. Uh, so, but when you start out, you will learn more if you just say, uh, I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to film my friends and I doing whatever. And just learning how to shoot it, learning how to direct them, learning how to edit it, all that stuff is going to teach you not only what you can do, but what you want to do. And so I found for me, I really love to edit the footage because it enables me to spend a week or a month or a year with all of those people. And they're not there in person, but they're there on the screen. And so I feel like, well, I got to hang out with you for two weeks on the set, or really I got to hang out with you for a year because I'm watching the footage every day and putting it together. And I like puzzle piecing that together. However, what I don't like is doing the sound work or the color correction or putting the music in all that really technical stuff. I'll just go hire somebody. And I learned that by trying to do it myself and realizing like, this is driving me crazy. It's making me stressed out. It's getting me mad. Okay. I'm just going to find somebody or I'm going to ask somebody, you know, I don't know someone, but maybe they know someone. And then you just kind of slowly build a team. So I would say that that would be a great way for anyone to go about anything whether it's, as I mentioned, creating a film, uh, you know, a play, a book, a course, a new company, go for it yourself, try and do everything, but be open to, or be aware of what you're feeling as you're doing these things. And it, you might find surprisingly that there's some aspects to creating a project that you love. And you're like, Oh, I never knew that I would like this. I can't wait to do this again. Great. Pay attention to that so that you know the next time you, you, know, you create your next course or you write your next book, you really want to edit the book yourself. Or you might say, I'm done with this book. I can't look at it anymore. If I edit it myself, I'm going to just you know, have a meltdown. Okay, you've learned <laughs> that you shouldn't do that. And you either need to go you know, blindly find an editor online or again, talk to people. Maybe no one that you know is an editor, but maybe people that you know you know, once or twice removed, and then they can find you somebody. So that's a great way to kind of go around that. Uh, is there a benefit to sacrificing money to hire a name or up and comer from an acting talent standpoint? Yes. And well, the, the, here's, here's the thing is uh, a lot of times, and you'll, you'll see this all the time now, especially with all the streaming films is you'll have some movie and you're like, okay, I've never heard of the movie. I never heard of the person that made the movie. And I never heard of anybody in the movie except oh, like there's this new movie uh, out called Hard Kill, which has been in social media a lot. And the poster is Bruce Willis's face. Well, it's starring some guy that I've never heard of and Bruce Willis. Well, so a lot of people are going to see that because Bruce Willis is in it and they know who Bruce Willis is. But again, they've never heard of the movie. They don't know who the person that made the movie is. They don't know who the star is. But because it has a name in it, they'll go see it or, or at least they'll stream it. So that's a great thing to do. And I actually have a story, a friend of mine from New York, not him, but some people he knew, 
they hired Robert De Niro for a day for $20,000. Now, they only had $20,000 to make their entire film. So what they did was they took their entire budget that hired Robert De Niro for a day. They shot all the, film, all the scenes in the film that Robert De Niro would be in with all the other actors. They put together a kind of teaser and they said, hey, producers, we have a movie with Robert De Niro in it and we need whatever, 50 or $100,000 to make the movie. And they sold it because they got Robert De Niro. So that's a great way to do it. If you know a really talented actor and nobody knows who they are yet, then yes, give them the opportunity. But that's a great way to, great way to do that. Uh, is there such a thing as producing an indie as a pitch to a studio? So the, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name and I'm going to look it up in the background actually. I think it's James Wan who did the um, Saw franchise. He has done a ton of, uh, of movies and um, uh, yes. So um, he is a, a 16, a director of 16 movies, writer of 19, producer of 33. He was in Australia and he made a short film which is basically the first uh, or, or the end, I forget which part of it was, uh, the first or the, or, or the last 15 minutes of Saw uh, was kind of a student project of his. And it got a lot of buzz and he tried to get it made in Australia because they have uh, state-sponsored arts there. So you can get a budget from the state and from uh, the National Australian Film Council. Unlike here where you have to get the money from a studio. Well, uh, nobody wanted to make it because it was a really graphic, you know, brutal horror film. So he somehow got a connection over here in America and some studio was like, oh, we want to buy your film. And kind of like Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, they were like, uh, oh, well, we're not going to sell it to you unless we can make it. And because uh, that's how Stallone got to start is uh, he said, I'll, I'll sell the script to Rocky to the studio, but only if I can play Rocky. And they took a gamble and said, fine, we really want to make this movie. We'll let you be in it. So that's how James Wong got started is his short film, as a kind of proof of concept was the door he needed to get into the studio system. And now he's got, you know, I mean, if you look him up and he's done uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies, he did Aquaman, he's doing Aquaman 2, and um, he's got the Conjuring universe, the Saw movies, you know, all kinds of stuff. He's a really, he's an A-list director and it all came from that short project. So that is definitely something you do. Another way people will do it is they'll make a trailer and then they'll sell the, the movie based on the trailer. Or like I said, if they need to raise money, they'll take, you know, they'll beg, borrow and steal whatever they can. They'll make a really kick-ass trailer. They put it on Indiegogo or something like that and say, hey, we need to raise $20,000 to make this movie. Here's the trailer, you know, you can't wait to see this, right? So that's a great way to do it. Uh, can you talk about what a starter pack of technology looks like to get started? So one of the things that's been really interesting in the last 20 years is they talk about the democratization of filmmaking. And so I have a friend of mine, he's about uh, five or maybe 10 years younger than me. So he went to film school in the late 90s 
and I went to film school about 10 or maybe 12 years after him in uh, like 2010. And when he went to film school, they shot on film and they processed film and they edited film and they did all of that. They did some digital stuff, but I think he said it was only photography. So he learned how to use film cameras. You had to buy reels of film, all that stuff. It's very expensive. You have to go to labs and do the processing, but there's a lot of structure there and there's a lot of skill there because you have to make definitive choices. So it's super valuable. However, nobody really does it anymore. When I went to film school, as I said, like 10 years later, I've never used film in my life ever for anything. We only shot digitally. And so again, the good bad thing is iPhones are so such good quality now that if you know what you're doing, you know how to frame things and you understand editing and shot choices and story making and directing, you can make a really good film on your camera with nothing else. The problem is because everybody's doing that is now you have to wade through tons of horrible things because everyone thinks, oh, I have a phone that has a camera on it, so I'm a filmmaker. Well, maybe, but again, just because, and we talk about this film school a lot, is just because you have an opportunity to make a film about your cat doesn't mean I have to sit through it. So it's still really important to learn those fundamental things of like, what makes a good story? How do you direct the actors? How do you use the camera to show an engaging story that I can't look away from? So that's much more important than the technology. And you'll see, especially in a lot of like uh, low budget horror films, they don't have the special effects. So, and that's why they always say like, you know, you don't want to show the monster. Well, the reason you don't show the monster is showing the monster is really expensive. You need a lot of special effects. You need a lot of makeup. You need a lot of post-production. You need a lot of digital stuff. If you just have something in the dark, you put some uh, sound effects in there and all of a sudden it's terrifying, but you're not really seeing anything. So it's much cheaper to do that. Or the same with fight scenes. You know, if you have someone who is like punching off screen, there might not actually be anybody there, but it really looks convincing like they're hitting somebody in the face. And that's so much cheaper than having this big fight scene with like somebody's face having to get pummeled via makeup and effects. And again, you don't need any technology to do that. You just need to make smart choices. All right, what's someone, at what point should someone join SAC after and why? One of the things that's difficult about getting into the unions is you have to have a certain number of days on professional sets in whatever, so like if you're a, a writer or director or a stunt person or an actor or a sound guy or whatever it might be, you have to have a certain number of days on set, which I think is 30. Well, in order to get 30 days on professional sets, you have to have, you know, earned your way onto, you know, it's like if you just say, I want to be an actor. Okay, well, great. Well, no one's going to hire you just because you say you want to be an actor. Like you have to go out to tons of auditions and you have to finally book something. And then you have to have people be able to see the footage from the thing. So one of my friends who's an actor in Hollywood, she says all the time, I'm, my job is to go to auditions. Occasionally, I take a break from my job and I go act. And so she gets up every day and finds auditions to apply to and sets up appointments to go in and have an audition. Every once in a while, she actually gets a gig from that. So it's the same sort of thing. Like you have to hustle and you have to get you know, all that time in 
so that you can earn your way onto the professional sets. And then, I mean, it might take you a year to get 30 days on a studio set. Because if you're going to be on an episode of a TV show, they're going to shoot for five days. So maybe you get on an episode. So you're there for five days. What might take you three months to get another five feature days? So you can't actually join the union until your card is full. So it's quite a process. So, But everyone should try to get in if they can, because, again, that's how they get their agents and their managers. And that's how they get the bigger paydays, because then you have to get paid by union wages. You get all your benefits, and all that stuff is really good. So I definitely encourage anyone who wants to join an entertainment union to start as soon as possible. What point should someone start an IMDb profile uh, right away? It's just like a YouTube channel or uh, Facebook or whatever. If you want to start making connections, you, you need to have a place or a way for people to connect to you. And getting a professional IMDb page, I think it's $149 a year. It enables you to put your headshot up, your biography, uh, you know, quick, quick one, uh, link to your website, your reel, and any work you've done. And it's kind of like the um, online, actually a friend of mine in New York, he used to work in a TV studio and he used to say, he's like, anyone comes in with a resume, we don't even bother. We just look their name up on IMDb and if they don't have any credits, we throw the resume away. The only reason we look at the resume is so we can know how to type their name into IMDb. So if you want to be in the entertainment industry, you got to get on IMDb. Should someone choose a focus or stay broad on theme and types of projects they do? Well, that's a difficult thing to answer because if you look at people like any of the A-list, either actors or directors or, or what have you, they're all kind of known, you know, like uh, Quentin Tarantino makes a lot of different kinds of movies, but they're all his signature brand of film. Or uh, Alfred Hitchcock, for instance. Like, uh, he was the king of suspense. You know, all of his films were suspense films. Uh, some of them were revenge movies, some of them were thrillers, some of them were crime films, but they were all suspense films. And you could pretty much tell it was his movie, even if you didn't know the director. Uh, same with actors. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes a certain kind of movie. So there's something to be said for, for niching down, just like in business. However, at some point, generally in the beginning, you're going to be kind of like, I'll do anything. And the good thing about having that kind of beginner mind is, like I said about my indie experience in Australia, is I worked on five features in a, in a year, and I did a different job in every single one of them. And that taught me, and, and some of them I did multiple jobs, and that taught me not only, oh, now I understand why the sound person says this, or why good sound is important, or what goes into making good sound. So that helped me as a director, because I'm like, oh, I know how to set the sound person up for success. So again, if you're going to be doing indie film, you're probably going to be having small crews, you know, uh, 20 people or less. And learning what they all do and how they all work together is really valuable. If you want to springboard into doing professional film work, then you really need to just have like, you're either going to be a camera person and you're going to be the camera department, or you're going to be talent, which is, so talent is in front of the camera. So that's cast and crew is behind the camera. So, so that's your first choice. And then your second one is which department do you want to work in? Do you want to work in sound? Do you want to work in effects? Do you want to work in stunts? Do you want to work in camera? If that's your goal, you want to get into a union, you want to do professional film work, then yes, figuring out what job you want to do. Uh, there's 10 different jobs in the camera department, but you kind of need to stay in that department. So I hope that helps to answer that. 
Are there any good examples of streaming or internet video content to launch and grow a career? One of the things that's been really interesting from streaming is now that there are so many more options that, I mean, it used to be, there was kind of the big, you know, um, it used to be the big 10. Now I think it's more like the big five studios, you know, Warner brothers, you have, uh, so, uh, Disney bought Fox. So there isn't Fox anymore, but there's Disney, there's Sony. Um, and there's, uh, you know, Lionsgate and a couple of those the other ones, but, uh, but now you also have Hulu. You also have Netflix. You also have Amazon, you know, you have all of these streaming platforms, but also there's YouTube. There are YouTube stars. They have these huge channels and these huge followings, and they're making a lot of money off of YouTube. And they're shooting everything on their laptop or on their phone. So again, they don't need they need the technology that we all have. They don't need a hundred thousand dollar film camera. But they understand social media. They understand their audience. Again, the who, the why, and the what. And they know what their brand is. You know, if I'm a fitness model. People want to see me working out. They want to see me posing. They want to see me practicing. They want to see me training. You know, if I'm a travel blogger, they want to see me going places that they wish they could go to or whatever it might be. So you really want to be specific and figure out like, okay, what's my goal? Do I want to make movies? Do I want to make a TV show? Do I want to have a web series? Do I just want people to follow me? Do I want to, you know, one of the things that a director, the, or the head of the film school said is, you know, figuring out what is your definition of success. If you get to make a movie a year, maybe that's success to you. And that means you could have a quote, normal life, but you spend a couple weekends of the year or you take a month off a year or two weeks vacation or whatever it is. And you plan your whole year around making your movie. And then the rest of your year, you're kind of like normal. Uh, or maybe your job is you're a professional filmmaker, but you just make like the average wage and you have kind of the average life. But instead of having a day job that you fit camera or filmmaking in around, making movies is your day job, but you're not like a millionaire, A-list Hollywood person. So it's not so much that you have to do it in a certain way. It's more of kind of figuring out, you know, like I said, for me, I worked on big films and I realized like, it's really exciting to be on a huge movie set, but... I don't really want to work on a huge movie set where most of the day I'm standing around doing nothing and I'm working 16 hours a day, six days a week for like two months. And I can't really talk to or meet anybody. I would much rather work on a small film that I really get to help everybody do everything. We all feel like we're a family. Are there any good examples of writer, director, or actor, actress launching online first or an indie first? So a lot of the filmmakers now like uh, Wes Anderson's a great example. So when Wes Anderson made Bottle Rocket, which was his first film, uh, that launched not only him, but it also launched um, the, the, the Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, the Wilson brothers, they were in that. So a lot of people, uh, and actually that was a short film first. And the short film played at a film festival and it got enough buzz that they were like, hey, these, these kids, you know, um, are, are talented. And so that's how they were able, I think they played at Sundance or South by Southwest, one of the, one of the big indie film festivals. And that got them the feature. And then from the feature, now Wes Anderson is this like beloved art house director and Owen and Luke Wilson have been in a ton of things. So that's a great example of people who got launched, you know, they made a short, turned the short into buzz, turned the buzz into 
somebody give us enough money that we can make a low, a low, low budget feature. And then that enabled them to make the next movie. And that made the next movie. And now I just looked up uh, Wes Anderson and uh, he's made, he's directed 20 feature films. He's been nominated for seven Oscars. He's won 75 awards. He's had 170, uh, 167 total nominations. That's some guy who made a short film once with some of his friends. So let's see. I believe in circles of experts and mentors, there's five or 10 people you need to know to launch a career. Um, what are the five things to know when making any production? Okay. So the first thing I would say is, and this is something I learned from film school, which is if you kill yourself in pre-production, your production will be easy. So again, if this doesn't need to be making a movie, it's writing a book, creating a course, starting a new company, whatever it is. If you kill yourself in the organization and in the prep. And once you actually get started, everything's kind of sussed already. If you just kind of dive in and be like, we'll figure it out as we go. We're flying by the seat of our pants. Like that can be exciting, but at some point, some catastrophic thing is going to happen and, and it's all going to go completely. So definitely kill yourself in pre-production. Second thing is really do something you're passionate about. Because again, that middle period, you know, you start off super excited. Oh, we all love each other. This is great. And at some point it starts to get hard. That's what everyone's going to start to fall apart. People are going to start arguing, whatever. So unless you have that, like, I'm going to die if I don't make this, I have to make this, I love this, then it's, it's not going to happen. So you have to have the passion. Third thing is find at least one main collaborator. It could be a best friend. It could be your spouse. It could, it could just be like a producer or somebody you don't even know. But find somebody who is like your partner in the thing. Because part of the passion is it's, it's like a seesaw. You know, one of you is going to go out at some point and the other one's going to be like, okay, I know that you're sick and you're tired and you're mad and you hate everything, but I'm going to force you to be psyched because I'm so psyched. And then when the roles reverse and you're like, I hate everything, they're going to be the one who's like, no, 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 no you helped keep me in this. So now I'm going to help keep you in this. So you need to have that partner. So you keep going. The fourth thing is, as uh, was asked earlier, you know, find somebody that's talented. It could be, you have a really good composer and they make you awesome music. And that's going to inspire you to be like, Oh my God, the music's so good. I have to make a good movie. Or, Oh, I found this incredible actor and they're so great. And like, this is their first feature and they're super excited. So you're like, okay, I have to edit this really well because I want them to have this breakthrough performance that might launch their career or, or whatever it is. So find that kind of psych somewhere that's going to give you the inspiration. And the last thing I would say is, and this is again, something I heard on set, people were arguing and it was, I, I can't remember her name, but it was a big actress. And she said, we're just making movie folks. We're not trying to cure cancer. You know, it's, it's a creative, artistic, fun thing. So you can get embroiled into all the minutia of the schedules and the budgets. And I can't, and I can, and I want to, but I, you know, uh, I hate everybody, whatever it is, but, you know, take a breath and just allow yourself to remember, like, this is storytelling. This is transportation and transformation. And I'm so lucky that I get the chance to do this. Uh, tell us a funny mistake you made getting into the industry. So I have had, uh, <laughs> I had a couple of kind of amazing things. So uh, one of the things that uh, pops in my head is, so I was making this feature World War I, uh, like 
trench warfare movie in the out in the bush in Australia. And I was just one of the extras, but I came with the stunt people. And so they said, uh, cause I was just going to like be assistant to my buddy Igor, who is the stunt coordinator. And uh, so I had like a world war one uniform on and all this stuff. And they were, and I was standing there next to Igor and they're like, Hey, we need somebody to be the gunner in this machine gun turret. And he gets shot and he goes like catapulting backwards off of this thing and falls like 10 or 20 feet into this water and like all this stuff. And, uh, and Igor just goes, he'll do it. <laughs> just, I was just like standing next to him like, Ooh, me? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you went to stunt school. You know what to do. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I'm not a PA anymore. I'm a stunt person. And, and so I got a professional stunt credit for that movie. Uh, and I did stunts for the entire three week production. It all happened because I just happened to be standing next to the stunt coiter and he just knew, Oh, you're capable. Like I'll just throw you in, which is a very Aussie thing to do. So we're going to have to wrap up in a few minutes, but I want to try and answer these last couple things. So uh, one of the business opportunities in film and why should business uh, be interested in indie or film production at any level? So one of the things that's really interesting, so I have a client right now who uh, she works for a corporation and they are doing a documentary about uh, the company works with autistic children. So they're doing a documentary about the founder of the company and how she has kind of revolutionized care for children with autism and how that's changed not only like research and teaching and uh, the relationship with their parents and all this stuff, but it, it's, it's really also changed the way people look at autism in general and, and people with autism in particular. And so I think it's a really worthwhile project, but the other part of that is that so that company merged with another one and that is a way to showcase the CEO to showcase the company and to showcase the merger so the company that does the work with the autistic kids doesn't really have anything to do with the company they merged with but the company that's coming in now is able to say hey everybody watch the movie about who we just merged with aren't they doing such great work? Aren't they changing the world? Aren't they? So if that movie wasn't made, they wouldn't be able to point at and, and kind of showcase the goodwill and, and the good work that's being done. But the other thing that's great about it is the sales and marketing department is like, hey, you're doing all these interviews, you're getting all this footage, you're creating all this stuff. We want to use parts of that to create a year-long series of snippets, commercials, social media content, et cetera, to showcase our company, our brand, the CEO, our clients, et cetera, et cetera. So things like that are a great way to get someone to say, I want to make this documentary. Okay, uh, sure. Or like, no, or whatever. And they go, and here's why. And part of the why is selling the company, selling the brand, sales and marketing, all of that stuff. So again, you need to be creative. So if you can't see outside of like, you know, I'm making a 90 minute documentary because that's what documentaries are. You need to be able to see into like, okay, again, what's the why, you know, why is someone going to let me make this movie? Why is someone going to give me money to make this movie? Why is someone going to give their time and allow me to interview all of their clients and their staff and their, et cetera? Like, well, it's so that I can make this movie, but also so I can give them all of this material for sales and marketing and, you know, et cetera. So that is a great way for 
especially indie people, figure out a way so that you can solve the problem of how do I make my movie, but also solve somebody else's problem. You know, maybe you can find a restaurant to shoot in on their, the day that they're closed or after, before they open in the morning, whatever it is, and you say, we're going to put your name in the credits or we're going to feature your restaurant as a story point. So people are going to be like, I mean, there are people in LA, they still go to what they call the uh, Reservoir Dogs Diner. It's not called that. It has a name. But it's the everybody knows it because that's the diner from the movie, so it has a lot of notoriety, and that helps them. And a friend of mine went there, and he said it wasn't very good. But he was joking with the waitress, and she said people come here all the time because that movie, and that movie's twenty years old now. So that's a great way to help a business and help yourself at the same time. So I want to uh, ask uh, answer this last question and then uh, we're going to wrap up but I want to thank everyone for their time and their attention and the great questions that they asked so uh, what are the top film festivals to get into in order to get you know quote discovered so a lot of the film festivals that most people know of are the, are, are those ones so um, you have you know con in France you have the uh, South by Southwest festival which is in Texas you have uh, Tribeca in New York which was founded by Robert Niro the Montreal Film Festival is really big. The LA Film Festival is really big. And of course you have uh, uh, Sundance, which started off as an indie film festival and now it's kind of like pretty big. But still, those, those are probably the biggest film festivals. Those are also the ones where people go and having a premiere there is a big deal. It's also ones that people from all the major studios attend because they can go find a movie that you made for $100,000, buy it for half a million dollars so you made five times your money which seems like amazing to you and then they're going to put that out and they'll make 20 million dollars out of it so every single person in that chain is able to make money and win and it's also a way to get your name out from a prestigious place especially if you win an award at the con film festival or uh, sundance especially those are big things that get movies sold so there is something to be said for just being, so I would say get your film in any film festival anywhere because having some laurels or having a, uh, so I'm a multi-award winning filmmaker. I've won, won awards at four different film festivals and it definitely helps people say like, oh, you've won eight different awards at four different film festivals? Wow. They aren't necessarily big festivals that are known worldwide, but at least people know them. So, uh, or at least people know me as being an award-winning filmmaker. So I would say that's your first step. If you can uh, afford to pay and you can uh, get into those prestigious film festivals, then that's even better, but it might be uh, difficult to get in there sometimes. I know like Tribeca is $100 per film just to uh, submit. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get in. So uh, anyway, so I, uh, I hope that those questions weren't too long-winded. I could obviously talk about this stuff all night because I love it. But uh, I want to thank you all for your time. And I believe, uh, Ben, you're going to come back on and uh, kind of play us off. So thank you so much for hosting tonight. Hey, Shane, I appreciate your going through all this stuff. It was very interesting. I thought we got some decent questions out there and um, appreciate your trying to get to everybody's questions. That's awesome. Um, also, just uh, appreciate your uh, partnership and uh, mentorship and uh, friendship. So we're just ship, ship, shipping away here, right? Sailing on into the distance. 
Um, if you could, I would appreciate it if you could tell people how they can reach out to you, if they want to hire you as a coach, if they want to hire you to mentor them in the indie film world, whatever it is that they would like to reach out to you for, just you know, tell us how can they reach you um, via, let's say, phone, on the web, you know, what, what's your preferred ways of communication? Oh, and one more thing, any offers or any specials? So ironically, and Ben can attest to this, a lot of times during the day, my phone is off because I'm on uh, calls with you know, it's, uh, people on Zoom or I'm working on a project or something like that. So the best thing to do is go to my website, shaneforza.com, or email me directly at shaneforza at gmail.com. And then we can either schedule a, a call or they can jump on Zoom with me. I love to do Zoom calls so I can kind of talk face-to-face, even though we may not be even be in the same state. I have a monthly and quarterly coaching or mentoring option for people. So if someone doesn't have the time or the money or they aren't sure if they want to dive into like a long term, they can just kind of hire me for a month and we'll get things going and see how it, how it works. Uh, if they know that they have a long project or like a big issue they really want to work on, then they can hire me for a quarter. So we have plenty of time to dive in. And I'm also launching my ultimate performance course. That is to help people have their best mind, body, and life. And that is a lot of hacks with different kinds of performance, you know, sleeping, nutrition, exercise, all that kind of stuff. So that way you can kind of live optimally. And, you know, if, if you're trying to kill it at work and you're exhausted, you're not going to be able to perform as well. So we want to get you healthy. We want to remove all your stress and we want to help you have all those tips, tools, and tricks. So that way you can come to work or you can create, or you can start your business or whatever it is and kind of turn you from that, like, five out of 10 on a scale to like 10 out of 10 on a scale. So that's coming up shortly. And again, all the information is on the website, chainforza.com. Awesome. And thank you for participating in another production of The Solve Network. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes Workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the paperwork bundle with over 300 documents, the sound effects bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the music bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Solve Network. As a reminder, these calls are held live on the first and third Thursday of each month. If you'd like to join us as either a listener or guest expert, please contact me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, We're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.